Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins... I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So my name is Janelle and I'm 21 years old. I'm a French girl and a student in France. Tired of not finding a true love, I decided to lose my virginity with my best friend. Then I find another fantastic friend with which I get along wonderfully on all levels for like three months. Then he throws me away because, well, I still love my ex. And being a little fragile at that point, I make my first attempt, go to the emergency room and then the mental hospital. For the smart ones among you, you'll understand that I was already depressed for a few months at this point. Under treatments, I mean. With a strong penchant for alcohol too. And to complete this auto-destruction mechanism, what better than dating apps, right? So a few weeks after my release from the mental hospital, I match up to make a new encounter and to try and forget about my dear and tender friend. I always meet the guys at home for a first date because I have zero experience and that's what I did for my very first date. One fine day comes around when I match a guy. His name was Mathway. Mathway is not very beautiful by any means and has a few extra pounds but I'm not Beyonce either so I match. We laugh a little, we have some common tastes, and he especially likes to smoke weed, so I thought, well, perfect plan. Well, we could smoke some joints and have some fun. He gives me some personal information, like his address, no idea if it's the real one, and his job, or rather old job, I guess. He just got fired, apparently. Work or no work, though, I don't really care. I don't want to do my life with him anyway. So I explained to him that I'm a bit fragile and that I just came out of a kind of mental clinic and that I'm depressed and blah blah blah. 
It's for the sole purpose of making him understand that you can't play with me. I also tell him that I'm looking for uh, just a session, but still with discussion, complicity, hugs, stuff like that. And not just a shot in 20 minutes and it's done sort of thing. He assures me too that this is what he's looking for as well, and that he's actually very cuddly and so I thought perfect. After only maybe one or two days of discussion, we agree on a date. It was going to be a mojito party at my house and he was going to bring the joints. He arrives, he's really not cute at all, even worse than in the photos. He has a dirty sort of... He has a dirty look like greasy hair, stained t-shirt. It was a style of a, a really sort of teenager look, despite him being like 26 years old. And in short, I'm far from thrilled, but I desperately need company. So I offer to make the drinks while I choose a film on television. He runs and passes on the kitchen side to prepare two mojitos before joining me on the sofa. When we talk a bit, he's not very smart or very interesting at all. So I drown in my drink hoping to animate the party alone. And this is where I get a three-day blackout. So, according to our dear Mathway, we would then have drunk and smoked while watching a film before going into the bedroom. I vaguely remember being naked on my bed and seeing him dressed above me looking at me before turning his heels and just slamming the door. My phone is discharging, my alarm clock isn't ringing. I'm away from a work group appointment so my friends are worried and they call me. They can't contact me so they contact my sister but she also goes to voicemail. The girls come down from my house and ring again and again but there's no answer. They call the fireman who managed to open the bottom door but not the door to my apartment. They knock on the door calling me and I end up opening the door, dressed in a blanket to hide my nakedness. I look at them with incomprehension. The firemen conclude that I must be hungover and break up while my friends help me to get dressed. They also think that I drank too much and they notice that my body is covered with like yellow betadine on my arms, legs, stomach, etc. I told them that I burned my arm yesterday and that I wanted to heal myself but no sign of a burn or anything's on my arm. Besides, I don't even own any betadine. They take my cat and take me back to one of their houses since I'm in a sort of comatose state. I have trouble speaking, I look completely elsewhere as anesthetized and I even seem to have trouble thinking. The next day my sister comes to pick me up so I can stay with her for a few days. And everyone is convinced that I tried to end it with drugs or maybe alcohol. But I start, com but I start complaining about pain in my vulva area and blood loss. My pill stops my period completely. So my sister takes me to the hospital. I explain to them some of the things that happened and also that I may have been unprotected since I was unconscious and... Uh, maybe I need an AIDS vaccine or something else. I'm advised to file a complaint and I'm being redirected to the OB emergency. The next day I finally regain consciousness gently. My relatives see it right away and I'm a little more lively and my remarks are more consistent. They meet me in the GYN emergency and I get swabs done and I get preventative AIDS treatment and stuff like that. And over the course of a week, I 
made a series of appointments for blood samples, urine samples, and stuff like that. And I went to file a complaint with the testimony of my friends who met me at home and my sister who took care of me. And after talking about it around me to people my age, older people as well, but especially medical staff and the police, the term organ trafficking was mentioned more than once. They think the guy maybe chickened out at the last minute or something. But despite my complaint, my bed full of betadine, my underwear torn off and the blood on the doors of my apartment, what the heck, right? My attacker, he got nothing and I guess I'll never know what really happened and what he really wanted that night. I would like to point out too that I used to drink and smoke in addition to my treatment and that never before have I had a blackout of like three days. I'm pretty sure that he must have put something in my drink. Something strong. Anyway, it was a pretty terrifying encounter and it was a good lesson and it's good to talk about, well, all of it and get it off my chest. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So in 2015 or 2016, I really didn't know what I wanted to do after high school. So I joined a gap year program in the Colorado Rockies, specifically at Snow Mountain Ranch in Granby, Colorado. It's part of YMCA of the Rockies and it was an awesome gig because although I worked, the room and the board was paid for and I spent a lot of time hiking, canoeing and adventuring out of the resort with the friends that I made there to different towns. Honestly, it was one of my all-time favorite memories. But I have some creepy experiences in the woods, like coming across small herds of moose at night. Moose are huge and hearing coyotes in the distance, feelings of being watched, but overall it was always nature and although a bit creepy, it wasn't anything David Attenborough hasn't seen, right? But the only uh, unexplainable and creepy experience that I had was experienced by more than one person and it was when we hiked, but mainly drove, some old logging roads to an abandoned yurt in the middle of the forest. It was Halloween of 2015 and there was a, a staff party and it was fun. I went as Gumby in a full costume. But since it's a YMCA sanctioned event, there was no alcohol. So we decided to ditch the party and seven of us crammed into my friend's Jeep Cherokee to go and make a party of our own. 
It had snowed and my friend Abby knew about an abandoned yurt because one of our fellow staff would go out there and drink by himself which I thought was pretty weird but we were all gung-ho and tired of the Safeway snacks and drinks at the party so we decided to go for it. The snow started to pick up a bit more as we went out there but since Abby had a decent off-road vehicle we managed for the most part. Now, maybe like a, a decade prior, there was a pine beetle infestation that killed a lot of trees here, so they had to cut down a lot of the forest. But when I got there, they were in the middle of replanting, so logging had since ceased, so, so there were miles of older logging roads abandoned, but the YMCA turned them into sort of Nordic ski trails for the wintertime. The yurt was out there for people who wanted to get out of the elements if they needed, that's what I was told anyway. I know we didn't let customers rent it or anything because I worked at the front desk. But anyway, we drove out there drinking whiskey and blasting some Halloween soundtrack that helped make the ambience a bit spookier. And although it had been snowing a bit, there wasn't enough on the road yet to cause any issues. After a 30 minute drive into the woods, we pulled off to the side where there was a locked gate. Obviously we jumped it. We had brought pillows and blankets with us because we planned on staying the night. We had to walk like another 15 minutes to get to it. It was in a really cool spot too, like in a clearing and at the bottom of a cliff. It was miles into the woods and away from the main property. But anyway, we drank and smoked for a good while and had a lot of fun. We made snow angels and had a snowball fight and we went back into the yurt after a while and continued our consumption and started telling scary stories. After a while we started getting sleepy and we got in whatever sleeping bags or blankets we brought and tucked ourselves in. We made a couple of jokes as we fell asleep to break the silence but after a bit we were pretty much knocked out. Now, at some point, I woke up early to Abby's boyfriend shaking me awake and pointed to a window. But when I looked, there was a, a shadow there. All of a sudden, we heard a loud bang like something had thrown itself onto the side of the yurt, and everyone was up now. The sound of something smacking against the canvas sides started coming from all around us at one point, and at first, I thought that it was snow falling off the treetops, but... We were in a large clearing with no trees over the yurt. But then we heard the sounds of something climbing up the three wooden steps and pausing. We all held our breath, but nothing. Not one sound. Abby was the only girl and all of us dudes decided to rush the door and see what was out there. We opened the door, but there was nothing. In fact, it was eerily quiet. The worst part, though, was what we found outside of the yurt, which was the distinct lack of any footprints anywhere. No paw prints, no boot prints, not even snowshoe tracks. The snow had even blanketed over the footprints that we had left earlier, so there really should have been something. We thought maybe the wind had lifted the canvas and made it flutter, but when we checked, it was flush with whatever it was attached to, and you just couldn't move it. It was super weird, and we thought maybe the staff member who came out to drink by himself was behind it, but again, we looked everywhere and there were no boot prints. 
I also don't think that it was the wind because, well, me and Abby's boyfriend saw the shadow by the window and we all heard footprints on the steps. We were pretty sober at this point too and all of us wanted to go back so we left. I never did go back to that yurt but I can't say that I want to anymore either. In the fall of 2019, I was going through a really rough patch. I was extremely depressed and in a very dark place at the time. So when my friend invited me to go to the Davy Crockett National Forest with him to camp, I was more than happy to oblige. We decided that we would camp at the Ratcliffe Lake or campgrounds for two nights and then the third night we would stay at a free camping spot somewhere off the miles of park roads scattered throughout the forest. The first couple of days went by amazingly too. I love the smell of pines, especially in East Texas, and the campsite was beautiful, not to mention the lake. We did some kayaking and hiking, and the views really helped my mindset. It was awesome, but on the third morning, my friend got an emergency call and had to bail at the last second. I was a, a little bit upset, but it didn't necessarily mean I had to go home just because he did. So I decided to stick to the original plan and find a place to camp deep within the forest. After he left, I headed to the nearest forest information center and snagged a map. The map showed the nearby highways and the forest and whatnot. I scouted a couple of park roads and made my way towards them. After about maybe five miles out of town, I find a park road which is indicated by a numbered sign and is only a dirt road. I head down it and settle in for the adventure. The road wasn't very narrow, but it would have been a hassle to move two trucks around each other, which I didn't really encounter, thankfully. I kept the map on my lap and followed the road with my fingers while also checking the road ahead for potholes and stuff. Now, the woods got super dense around me and darker and darker as I kept going, and it all kind of just enveloped my truck at one point. I don't know how many miles I traveled before I first came to another turnoff, but it was clear that I was really deep in the woods. I traveled to where one group of campsite was supposed to be, which was a small loop basically. I turned down and, to my surprise, was met with a couple of trucks and RVs, all occupants outside cleaning guns or dressing deer. Please don't come at me, I've never been hunting. It was hunting season, so... I guess it wasn't that big of a surprise, but it was still very off-putting though with the looks that I was receiving. So I made the loop and I just continued on. I drove a couple more miles and found another remote spot at the very corner of the woods. I pulled over and set up the tent and a fire and brought out the whiskey. I didn't have a great night and was just burning some letters, so I got a little bit more messed up than I would have cared to be. So I ate some food, put out the fire and headed into the tent to play the switch and just wind down a bit. It didn't take me too long to fall asleep and I slept pretty hard that night. But I woke up at around 1 o'clock in the morning to the sound of footsteps circling my campsite. I'm a very avid camper so I just assumed that it was a critter checking out the human who decided to chill in his pad without asking. So I started to drift off again when... I heard a, a loud cough, and at that, I was instantly awake. I just kind of laid there listening, and 
the footsteps, they approached my truck. I had locked my truck thankfully, but heard the obvious sign of someone trying to handle, then quietly shuffling over to the other side and trying the other handle. I had a spotlight that I brought with me, so I quietly unzipped the tent and pointed my light in the direction of the noise and shouted out. And I caught a brief glimpse of whoever it was in all camo sprint off into the woods with no light. Like, they took off and although I had no plans on following them, I scanned the brush with my light and couldn't see anything. I turned off my light to see if I could see a phone light or a flashlight, but instead I, I heard a, a very loud crashing into the brush that just got quieter and further away. So... Whoever this person was ran into the dark woods with no light and in all camo. Considering the map and the direction that he ran also didn't have any more roads or amenities, maybe he was on private property or something. I don't know, but I was very scared, obviously, so I collapsed my tent, put it in the bag, shoved it in my back seat, and drove the park roads like a bat out of hell that day. Once I got back to the main road, I drove for four hours back to my hometown and I want to go back sometime, but this time definitely with friends and maybe even a gun too. But yeah, that was not a fun experience and definitely up there with one of the most frightening things that has ever happened to me in the woods. The story takes place in the early spring of 2016. I was living in the Rocky Mountains in Colorado and came home to spend a bit of time with my high school friends. One of my favorite things to do was camp together and hike, since we all had heavy affinity for the outdoors. And on this particular occasion, we decided to tent camp at the park on Lake Georgetown in Georgetown, Texas. It was a public campsite, but I guess because of the time of year, we were really the only ones in the park. So with this, we picked a site very close to the water. We had a fun night, had a fire, drank some mead that my friend had made, and used a hooker in the tent. A bad idea. A coal fell out and burnt a hole through the bottom in the end. And just talked about uh, random things that we were up to now that we had graduated high school. We ended the night by the fire, drinking and eating some canned food. One by one, each of us left the fire and retired into the tent. Me and my best friend were the last ones in, and since we were right up by the water, we filled up a bucket with lake water, separated the logs, and doused the fire. Then we both drunkenly meandered our way over to the tent. Now, I've always had trouble sleeping, even when I'm drinking, I tend to just sort of linger in reality for a bit. So I just laid on my back and stared at the stars through the screen ceiling. I'm not completely sure too when I did fall asleep, probably hours later, but I do remember waking up to a, a bright orange light. At first, I thought that maybe my friend went to grab something out of the truck and unlocking it triggered the parking lights but this orange light got bigger and moved too much to be stationary lights. So I slowly unzipped the tent flap and saw that the fire was going again. Now, this has happened to me before. If you don't douse a fire enough, it can still reignite with enough oxygen, or depending if something was thrown in there, it could burn for a while. 
but when I noticed that there were pieces of like fabric and paper and that the fire was going, I woke up my friends and they were all as creeped out as I was. And that's when we saw at the edge of some of the brush that there was a, a guy out there in a red jacket and kind of balding, I think Mr. Noodle from Elmo's World, staring at us with a blank stare and an empty bottle in his hand. It made our blood run cold, but also being dumb kids, we decided to run after this guy, but he had already started to head out before we made that decision and got away somehow. We really didn't sleep after that, and we left the next day and called whoever manages the park about the incident. We had checked the fire to see if anything was salvageable or identifiable, but unfortunately, everything was just incinerated. They told us that Georgetown PD would do more rounds in the park, but in the end, that was about it. But we quickly forgot about it too, because... It was a pretty one-off experience and the dude didn't really hurt us directly and of course we all started going to college and stuff but still, it's something that I won't forget easily. So I lived alone in a bad neighborhood just outside of the city. At this point, I'd been living there for maybe three years with no incident. Well... I mean, there were several shootings on my street, but no one shot at me, so no incident, I guess. I'm the kind of person, though, who can't sit still for very long, so I find myself standing or pacing a lot. On this particular night, maybe at about 2am, I was pacing while reading a textbook to prepare for an up-and-coming test at my university. I stopped pacing for a little and just stood near my front door to read, and that's when I heard my doorknob turn... For some reason, though I nearly jumped out of my skin, I was able to calmly look down at my deadbolt to double check that it was locked, and it was. I looked through the peephole to see who was trying to come in, but no one was standing there. Obviously, this was really confusing. I neither am superstitious nor believe in the supernatural, but I'm also stupid, so my first thought was, is a ghost trying to break into my house? Thankfully, that thought gave way to a more logical thought of maybe they're just going around the back. So I quickly moved to the back door to make sure it was locked, and it was, but then my front doorknob turned again. I sort of tiptoe ran to the front door. At this point, my heart is pounding. My dog, a big protective teddy bear, is looking at me with major concern in his eyes. I look through the front peephole again, but there's still nobody there. But that's when I hear a, a small knock on my door as I'm looking through the peephole of all things. And then a small child voice says, let me in. Silence and then let me in. I'm still looking through the peephole while covering my mouth with my hand to make sure my breathing is quieter. Through the peephole, I see a small three-year-old-ish girl walk to the edge of my porch and look into my bushes. She nods and then says, okay, in what I think was supposed to be a whisper. She walks closer to the door again and I lose sight of her in the peephole. She tries to handle again and then knocks and says, please help me. My uncle is a cop, so I had heard about people using children as a way to get people to open their door before blitz attacking them. So I'm pretty sure that that's what's happening at this point. 
I really was not sure how to handle this situation if I'm being honest, so I just said, not even into a phone, Hi, I think someone is trying to break into my apartment. Yeah, my address is... And I gave my street name and number. Yeah, I'll stay on the line. And then, I saw a shadow emerge from the bushes. Thankfully, they scooped this kid up and ran off, and there were two people and the kid. There were people trying to break into my apartment that night to rob or do something to me. I'm really glad that the doors were locked and that I had my wits about me because if I hadn't, who knows what would have happened. So this happened when I was around 13 and it was summer, so that meant no more school. I would often spend my evenings with my cousin who lived close by to me and we would ride our bikes around the neighborhood until sunset. One day, it was the usual, but we happened to stop in front of a house and take a short break. As we're posted up, just sort of talking, a middle-aged man approached us. He looked to be around maybe his 40s, tall and hairy with a big black mustache. He was wearing a grey sweatsuit with the hoodie over his hat. He looked like he just went out on a jog because he was super sweaty, but he approached us with a big grin. He then proceeded to ask for our names and what we were doing here. I quickly got the creepy gut feeling that something was off about this guy. I then realized that he was far more interested talking to my cousin in a flirty way. My cousin was only 13 just like me but she looked a little older although it was noticeable that she was still a minor. The creepy man kept asking questions which I ignored because I found it odd so my cousin kept answering his questions and he then finally asked how old we were and my cousin told him our age. I thought that he would finally get the memo after that and stop talking to us, but as soon as he heard our age range, he quickly had an eerie grin on his face and paused for a few seconds. He then mentioned that he has a niece our age and she would love to meet us and wants us all to become friends. He kept insisting that she would love us, and when we declined his offer, his tone changed and he started sort of gaslighting us. He kept saying that we'll make her cry if we don't go and that we're just mean girls for not going to meet her, etc. He keeps looking around our surroundings to see if anyone is nearby. He then starts offering us soda. He claims it's too hot to be outside and we should at least have a soda at his house. After saying no thank you, he keeps insisting he has all types of drinks available at home. This kept going on for a good 10 minutes as well of him convincing us to go to his house and we kept saying no thanks multiple times till he finally gave in and just left. He didn't say goodbye or anything, he just turned and stormed away all angry. We still lived in that area for a few more years before moving and strangely enough we never once saw this man ever again. Looking back at this situation, we were very vulnerable for 13 years old and would often get into trouble, and we could have easily went with him in his house to get free soda, and, well, who knows what could have happened then. And I mean, no grown man in their right mind keeps insisting that 13-year-olds should go into his house, right? G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. 
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.